The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Patrick Henningsen and TNT. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. You're listening to TNT Today's News Talk. You might even be watching TNT Today's News Talk if you're looking at any video streams rumored to be out and about on the interwebs. Thank you for joining us here on Monday. We've got a great show lined up for you today. A lot of information is going to be coming through the pipeline today. A lot of important news, a lot of important analysis. We're going to be joined by some of the best people that you can possibly get to talk about the important subjects of the day, namely the Middle East, but also U.S. politics. First, we'll start in the Middle East. We'll connect with independent journalist, incredible broadcaster uh, named Marwa Osman in the first hour, just a few minutes, actually. We're going to go live on the ground in the Middle East, connecting Marwa to get her take on what's happening, breaking developments as well on big developments and breaking developments. You're going to get it right here first. Hello to everybody in the TNT chat room. Great to have you guys with us. I hope you're doing well. Uh, And also in the second hour, we're going to be joined by a political commentator in the United States by the name of Nico House. Uh, Great commentator, uh, amazing uh, social media content he puts out. And we're going to talk about how this issue of what's going on in Gaza has affected the Biden administration as they run into the 2024 election. Also, how it split different people in the United States politically and how that might play out. What's that going to look like uh, in the United States? How significant is it? Nico is definitely somebody who's qualified to tell us uh, a bit of insight on that important subject. It's going to potentially shape the outcome, maybe shape the outcome of the upcoming U.S. election. Uh, And the same goes for elections right across Europe uh, and also in the U.K., this issue is having a big effect. We saw recently protesters besieging Keir Starmer, the Labour Party leader, uh, after the Commons vote on the ceasefire. It seems like the Labour Party is pro-war now. They're part of the War Party, and they voted against any ceasefire. They they said they wanted to keep the bombing going uh, as long as possible, the bombing of the Palestinian civilians in Gaza. So they're backing Israel. Did they explicitly say they wanted to keep the bombing going? No, they didn't explicitly say that. They said, we do not want a ceasefire, which implicitly means they want the bombing to continue indefinitely. That's what it implies. Let's not kid ourselves. But we're in a time of great deception, ladies and gentlemen. We're living in a time of great, great deception. And there's a lot of talk in the last couple of days about tunnels. Tunnels, tunnels underneath underneath uh, Al-Shifa Hospital in Gaza. You've probably seen the Israelis are putting out these incredible propaganda videos claiming they finally found the uh, Hamas, the secret Hamas command center that they've been saying was under all these hospitals. So they finally managed to uh, dis- you know, bomb, disable, and then invade one of the hospitals after shooting, uh, shoot- <laughs> shooting into the hospital, shooting at nurses and doctors, patients, uh, literally, they had to take the babies that were on respirators and incubators and move them to another hospital. Some died as a result of the Israeli operation and cutting off of power, water, food, and fuel into Gaza, etc. Okay, so people have suffered as a result of this operation. But why were the Israelis so intent on finding 
this uh, tunnel because they have to show evidence of a secret Hamas command center to justify targeting all of these hospitals. It's simple. And if they don't have the evidence, they're literally inventing it. They're putting out crazy videos where they're placing things around and claiming this is proof that uh, this hospital is used as a Hamas command center. Ergo, it justifies us targeting and destroying all of the hospitals in Gaza, which is what they've been doing. As we speak, another hospital has been hit, targeted by Israel. What kind of barbarians are systematically targeting hospitals? Why are we even having this conversation? Why? why how, the fact that you, I have to explain this or that we have anybody has to explain this. This shows you how far beyond the pale things have gotten. And I would not have to explain this if the BBC and CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post and LBC Radio and everybody else in the mainstream cartel had been asking these questions five weeks ago. Five weeks ago. If they had been pushing this story and challenging the crazy, insane claims being made by governments, especially the Israeli government, backed by the U.S., U.K., and E.U. governments. If if the mainstream media had done their actual duty as a free press, or as a, 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 let's just say press, not even free, just as a press, they had done that, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now. I just wouldn't. Because we would have already said come together as an international community and politicians would have had to weigh in and say, no, no, we do not endorse the systematic targeting and destruction of hospitals with patients and doctors inside. We, we are against that. We Americans are against that. This is not the values of the rules-based international order of the West. They could have all lined up and done their condemnations, starting with Biden, then Trudeau, then Ursula and Rishi, and the uh, the rest of the gang, or even Tony Blair could have come up and said, this is wrong, please don't do this. No, no, they didn't. They stayed quiet. The reason they stayed quiet, because the media was quiet. See, they get their, politicians get their signals, they get their talking points and safe words from the mainstream media. So we've been talking about this for weeks. Finally, it's, it's, it's now reached the tipping point the tipping point is when israel finally came and had to show receipts and they couldn't and what they've done is do some very ham-fisted propaganda videos <laughs> claiming that claiming hamas were storing grenades behind an mri machine like this is sitting in a rucksack behind an mri machine i mean as if and they're claiming that uh uh, they were bringing ho hostages into the hospital and they have security camera footage of it, etc. Yeah, of course they were because the hostages were wounded. They're giving medical care. No big surprise there, but they use that. The Israelis to say, well, this Hamas is using the hospital. So everything they're doing is to try to talk around or justify or rationalize the fact that they have engaged in crimes against humanity in full view of the world on an industrial scale not seen since World War II. That's what the Israelis are doing. This is why they're desperate. They're finding any hole in the ground, even if it's a kilometer away, even if it's a septic tank. We found one re Israeli report. They is a, a septic tank 
or a water tank underground. They said it was a Hamas base. It's been totally debunked. All of these have been debunked thoroughly within minutes of them putting the reports out. Syrian Girl is an amazing commentator on social media. I would love to have her on the show, but unfortunately the time difference uh, precludes that. So we can't, it's very hard to get her for a live segment because of our time zone difference. But she's done brilliant work uh, debunking every single one of these things skillfully and with facts and with style as well, I might add. But uh, it's just, I think it's beyond embarrassing for the Israelis. And Washington, they're really cringing in Washington. The the word we're getting is that people are going crazy in Washington behind the scenes. They can't believe they cast their lot in with these absolute maniacs in Tel Aviv, these genocidal maniacs. There's Israeli ministers going on. <laughs> I'll play you a clip from Bibi Netanyahu. I mean, it's just insane. Like, what are these people like? Listen to this. I mean, this is insane. And we're going to win because we have to win. This is a battle of the forces of civilization against the forces of barbarism. And if barbarism wins in our part of the world, Europe will be next and America will be next because the axis of, of terror of Iran, Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis and their other minions will imperil the Middle East and then spread their barbarism to the entire world. Israel is fighting our war, but it's also fighting America's war. It's fighting your war and our victory will be your victory. See, this is just complete gaslighting. So that's on the Mark Levin show. Mark Levin has basically fashioned himself as a surrogate for the state of Israel. So, so much for America First, which is like the pretty much the title of his program. Um, It's beyond a joke at this point. But Netanyahu's gaslighting there. He's he's saying, we're fighting this war against barbarism, so you don't have to fight it. Because somehow, like, because we're, (laughs) he's, they're subjugating the Palestinians to the most inhumane conditions. They're carpet bombing civilian neighborhoods of unarmed people and killing them by the tens of thousands. And he's accusing the Palestinians of being barbarians. I mean, this is like gaslighting supreme, Okay. This guy, Netanyahu, comes on U.S. media. You won't see him on Israel media saying this because even the Israelis are sick of him. His own people are sick of him. He won't say these things anymore on many Israeli outlets. They won't even have him. He's that unpopular. His popularity is almost lower than Biden's, if not below. So what he does is he comes on U.S. media to gaslight the Americans because Netanyahu knows that he needs to maintain some level of support in the United States in order to keep this massacre going that he's running in Gaza and now the West Bank. And and he wants to expand the war to Lebanon. They want to attack all, they're already attacking all their neighbors. Israel's bombing Syria. They're attacking Lebanon. They're, thre- they're threatening everybody else. Anybody that stands up and at least wags a finger at them or tells them to stop or does any sort of diplomatic move or you know sanctions or whatever that they become a sort of target on the israeli hit list they're attacking all of their neighbors they're stealing people's territory they're pushing people out they're ethnic cleansing they're attacking their neighbors i mean i can't think of a country that did this back in history let me think actually there was there was a european country that did this in the 1930s it didn't work out very well just saying there's history like it or not, like it or not. If you don't like what I'm saying, well, too bad. We're dealing in facts and not emotion. 
The facts don't lie. Facts are real. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a break here with TNT, today's news talk. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. We'll be back with our guest in just a moment. You do not want to miss this segment. Stay right there. You should hear what Chris Smith is talking about. Lomborg has long maintained that wealth and an abundance of energy sources are the key elements required to help the world solve threats to our existence, which is why he opposes the obscene amounts of money the United States, the UK, Europe and Australia are spending on climate change, which can only reduce that wealth and make us all weaker. Yes, climate has costs, but so do climate policies. We rarely talk about the fact that as we are making more and more climate policies, that also impacts us negatively. That actually pulls away resources from us. Just to take a look at energy prices here in the UK, energy prices have been coming down for the last two centuries, but now they're starting to go up because of climate policy. But why doesn't the mainstream media's political class ask those correct questions when politicians make humongous spending announcements on, for instance, renewable power? Where are the right questions? Like, what's the cost-benefit analysis of this project minister? They never ask the question. And you know why they don't ask the question? Because the left-leaning mainstream media, they're climate change evangelists as well. They don't want to find holes in such grand renewable plans because that's not part of the environmental narrative. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40. California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%, you know, 99.8% survival, rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the, the people were saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get 
rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them. This is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. Without CO2, the world stops breathing. CO2 sustains all life on Earth. Government, the WEF, and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. I'm your host, Patrick Kenningson. You're listening and watching TNT, today's News Talk. Thank you for joining us. We're still in hour number one of this broadcast. I want to welcome onto the stage a very special guest, an independent journalist, broadcaster based in the Middle East. Marwa Osman is joining us on the line right now. Mara, really appreciate you joining us uh, on the program today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Patrick. I know a lot's going on, and it's breaking by the minute, Marwa. So I, I realize that you're under a lot of uh, uh, stress uh, yourself uh, because of your position in Lebanon, but also just because keeping up with uh, the news. And I know that's part of your job as well, and I appreciate your time. Can you just give us an assessment right now um, where the situation is at, what you think are the important points right now, just broadly uh, where this conflict is? And then also let's talk about uh, the new developments uh, with Lebanon and South Lebanon and uh, Israel, but go ahead. Well, let's start with the end uh, with the South Lebanon. Just before I spoke to you, I was actually a bit late to the live coverage because I was speaking to family members in Khiam village, my village, uh, on the border with occupied Palestine. Khiam is on the southern, uh, on the southeastern border between uh, Khiam and Syria, between the occupied Golan Heights and the occupied Palestinian territories, the northern Palestinian territories. And uh, it was just stricken by uh, two strikes, one airstrike that took down down a three-story building in the heart of the village, in the heart of the town, and one uh, bomber drone that took out an apartment, and the apartment was inhabited with civilians. Thank God they were not harmed, but obviously they are in shock. Uh, but the three-story building was completely uh, it collapsed. I tweeted about it and I I, t I sent a telegram message about it on my channel to, to show the people the damage. And as we speak, I was just speaking to my uncles who are still in, in Khiam and they were telling me that sadly there are reports of uh, either three or four people under the rubble of the house that was uh, uh, targeted by the Israeli Zionist entity and uh, at the moment there are a lot of um, uh, med medic aides and uh, paramedics and also uh, ambulances and also the uh, fire department trying to uh, first of all evacuate the neighborhood and to uh, try to get to those people and I say hopefully they are alive but from the photos and the videos that I saw it, it was completely you know, the, the entire thing just crumbled so I don't Thing that they are alive, but I'm just hoping. So that's that's what ha what's happening. But what had what had been happening for the past week is um, escalation of the confrontation between the Lebanese resistance, Hezbollah, and the Zionist entities. For example, just yesterday on Sunday, uh, Patrick, there were 14, 14 different operations done by uh, Hezbollah against the Zionist entity, especially after the Zionist entity bombarded uh, the uh, Kfarkila bordering village. 
the Lebanese Kfarkila village heavily bombarded the inhabited inside of the town because usually skirmishes or clashes that happened between the Israeli occupation forces and Hezbollah happen on the outskirts of the uh, villages. But this time Israel was bombing the actual town residential areas with white phosphorus. And I tweeted about it yesterday and I showed a video and a still image as well. And it was horrific. We were trying to talk to the people. They couldn't. They were coughing. It was, you know, they were suffocating inside of the village, but that's just um, what was happening yesterday. And by the way, the, the, the horrors that I'm explaining, it is very emotional for me because it is my village, it is my area, but at the same time, it's just a drop in the sea of horrors that Gaza has been seeing for the past 42 or 43 days. But uh, what's going on in Lebanon, for example, this morning, the Branit um, military base, the Branit Zionist occupation military base, in northern Palestine was completely annihilated by Hezbollah. I posted also a tweet about it showing the video. I was about to show the the how it happened. I showed the I showed the aftermath of Branit with completely annihilated the military base, uh, and I wanted to show because just before I uh, when I started receiving news of the bombardments in Khiama, I also received the video that was released by Hezbollah of how they uh, uh, bombarded Branit um, military site with uh, Burkan missiles with two Burkan missiles and it was a direct hit and this is a new kind of weaponry that Hezbollah has been using and it has been using it only for the past seven days so this is also a very uh, very recent development uh, in, in the battlefield and uh, added to that Israel has been starting to bombard areas that are 20 kilometers away from the border. Usually the area that is being targeted is around the border uh, between Palestine and Lebanon. And it's it's usually not more than five to 10 kilometers away from the border. But on Saturday, they bombed Nabatiye, which is at least 20 to 25 kilometers away from uh, the heart of, uh, away from the bordering uh, fence between Lebanon and Palestine. That was also an, uh, an escalation. So they did that on Saturday, which is why on Sunday, we saw 14 different operations against them. And this morning, an operation against Pranit, which apparently the Zionist entity was uh, too uh, mad about it, that they uh, targeted residential houses in, in Khiam, the village. Uh, so that's what's what's been happening. Also, uh, a lot of has been happening uh, in, Leban in the Lebanese port of Beirut and also in the airport. There were reports that um, uh, French battleships uh, asked uh, the Lebanese government to dock in our uh, annihilated port. Remember the uh, August 4 port that was annihilated completely. So they asked the government to um, dock in that port and the government said no, uh, because basically Hezbollah said no as well. And not only the government, the government was trying to rid the, Le the Lebanese people from any sort of consequences that could come from docking a, a battleship, a French battleship in our port. And Hezbollah had already, uh, if you remember, said Hassan Nasrullah on November 3rd, yeah, he, he, he openly, clearly stated that any battleship that uh, uh, is considered a threat to Lebanon will be bombed. And another thing in the airport, there were requests by European uh, uh, countries. I don't want to say the name of the wrong country, but at least two European countries requested from the Lebanese government to send in planes, but uh, planes with weapons for whom, for what? They wouldn't say, so the Lebanese government refused that request as well. Uh, so that's also a very uh, elevated uh, development by the West. And uh, I've been reading that yesterday the um, USS, uh, not Carney, the I think the USS Eisenhower uh, has been moving closer to the Lebanese coastal area.
area. Uh, that's that was that started happening on Saturday night. So that's like uh, not it's still like not two days old, but that was also a uh, news development because uh, the the 54. Um, Actually, the 56 uh, battleships that are right now in the Mediterranean, which is the first time since 1945, these 56 ships are are facing the coastal area of Lebanon and uh, Palestine. But now they are starting to move in towards Lebanon. So that also that gives away signals of something brewing uh, that we don't know what what might happen. Uh, so that's that's the 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 issue that's happening. And uh, added to the uh, losses that the Zionist entity has incurred uh, from October 8th up until now by Hezbollah targets uh, or by Hezbollah targeting them is a complete uh, blindness. They are now blind. They cannot see what's going on in Lebanon. What do I mean when I say that? Because some people, especially the uh, Gulf Arabs, uh, states who are making fun of the uh, Lebanese resistance Hezbollah's rockets start uh, striking um, what they called as, uh, 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 you see, like, um, towers like electricity towers they were laughing and saying hezbollah is targeting electricity towers they are that ignorant they are ignorant ignorant to a point that they don't know that the zionist entity at one point on, on the border the zionist entity can actually see the uh um uh spain and morocco can see the uh, 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 Bab, uh it's not Bab it's um gibraltar they can actually Tariq, they can actually see spy to Gibraltar with that specific uh, base that Hezbollah targeted. So their spy cameras and spy systems can actually see in a radius that's, that's, that you cannot even fathom, you cannot begin to understand how far they can see with those uh, uh, towers. And all those towers, poof, they don't no longer exist. All the cameras, everything that's monitoring Lebanon, all the um, balloons that they sent up in the air to, with cameras to watch all over the area that was targeted everything that uh, was targeted to a point that they started getting cranes and putting cameras on cranes and the resistance started using precise missiles to target the cameras on those uh, cranes so also it's like them showing off hezbollah showing off their new weaponry but at the same time completely blinding completely removing any uh, uh, any uh, attempt for the israelis to uh, surveillance to see what's really happening and on uh, lebanese land and in military terminology that means uh, taking out the first barrier in preparation for the second. And the second barrier is what we, we saw yesterday when Israel just went ballistic, uh, when uh, the Lebanese resistance Hezbollah uh, opened um, a, a, a hole in the big apartheid uh, wall that they built, that they have been building for the past 10 years between Lebanon and Palestine, they opened a big hole. And there were reports, but not by Hezbollah, but there were reports by Zionist media that there was a penetration from the Lebanese side, but that ended within an hour. I think that was a big, big message to the Israeli entity. That's what's going on on the border between Lebanon and, and Palestine. Uh, now, if we want to move and talk about Gaza, obviously the humanitarian uh, situation is beyond what humans can fathom. It is now we are beyond 15,000 humans killed. Uh, that's not counting the 4,000 humans who are still under the rubble, where no one 
can no one have has the capability to remove them because there's no more fuel to use the uh, vehicles necessary in uh, such emergency uh, uh, situations uh, to evacuate the people or to to basically get the bodies out from under the rubble. 5,000 plus children under the age of 12. We're talking infants, we're talking toddlers, we're talking babies, Yanni. 5,000 plus. The numbers are uh, unimaginable, but these are the facts. Uh, the humanitarian crisis is uh, beyond what anyone can imagine. No food, no water, no diesel, no uh, medication. Operations are being uh, done in the hallways of hospitals, well, the remaining hospitals, that is, uh, without anesthesia. So patients have their limbs cut without medication to put them to sleep before starting the procedure. Cut your hand with a piece of paper and then tell me how much that hurts. And then imagine. So that's the, the humanitarian situation. Added to that, the terrorizing of the civilians when the Zionist uh, uh, Israeli uh, offensive uh, army keeps telling the people to leave the northern and central areas and to go down south, and they keep bombing down south. This morning, they killed more than 40 humans in Rafah. Rafah is literally at the border with Egypt. They are bombing there. They are bombing where they are telling the people to evacuate to. They're telling people to leave, and then they bomb them when they leave. So that's also a catastrophe. At the humanitarian level, Gaza is a catastrophe. It's a genocide. Now, at the military level, that's where things completely change. Yesterday was an enormous day for the Palestinian resistance and the axis of resistance in general. Starting with the Palestinian resistance, the videos and the uh, the um, uh, uh, reports that we received from Azadin uh, al-Qassam brigades, the military wing of Hamas, and from the Al-Quds brigades, the military wing of the Islamic Jihad, were unprecedented. Uh, actually, what happened was that the uh, Palestinian resistance lured in the Zionists from four different axes, and then they, just from under the rubble, they emerged. And only yesterday, there are reports from the Palestinian side that say just yesterday there were more than 40, 40 killed Israeli soldiers, but Israel is not saying anything about them. The videos that we watched yesterday, Patrick, were, yani, I couldn't imagine what I'm, I, I thought I was watching a movie. It was something that only a man who was suffocated, besieged, bombarded, lost all his family, would have the capability of retaliating the way that we saw the resistance uh, uh, of Hamas and the Islamic Jihad retaliating. From under the rubble, humans emerge with weaponry that cost nothing, causing losses and killing uh, occupation soldiers from point blank, from space zero, unimaginable. The power that these people have comes from the great grief and suffocation that they were born into. And that is absolutely evident in the videos that we are watching. So yesterday was, uh, was, was a disaster for the Israeli entity in Gaza. At the same time, uh, the Iraqi resistance was bombarding new uh, U.S. bases, especially in uh, Hasakeh in northern Syria and uh, in northern uh, Iraq as well in the Harir base. So they also were bombarding. And we saw what, um, I don't know what I can say about Yemen, 
But we've been talking a lot about Yemen Patrick for the past nine years. Uh, but yes. uh, yesterday was the biggest evidence that Yemen is basically the most powerful nation of all the axes of resistance. What they did, starting from uh, the second week of the uh, Al-Aqsa flood operation up until now, uh, when they sent in missiles and bomber drones to support the Palestinian uh, res residents of Gaza, to yesterday taking out one of the biggest uh, ships uh, that is owned by an Israeli businessman, just take it in the uh, Red Sea. And by the way, if it, I don't know if it's 6.30 right now in Beirut or not. It is. It is 6.30 because we were promised by the Yemeni um, armed forces that we are going to see a video of how it was done and how is what it was taken to the port uh, of uh, one of the ports of Yemen. They didn't specify which one, but I'm, I'm guessing Hodeida. Uh, but uh, we were promised a video to see how it happened because we read reports coming from the White House saying that the uh, Yemeni Ansarullah actually used helicopters to land on the ship and then took over uh, the ship and took the crew as uh, detainees and then uh, just moved the ship uh, into uh, one of their ports. We read reports about it we're not sure about it so we were supposed to see a video i think now the video is online but uh that was also a big development added to the 14 operations that hezbollah did so yesterday was a, a day of big loss for the israeli entity but in gaza uh as as well as the west bank by the way because people are not talking enough about the west bank and the amount of killings that the Zionist Israeli entity is doing against the people of, of Janine, of Tulkarm, of Al-Khalil, uh, all of these uh, areas, all of these districts in, in Al-Quds, for example, in Jerusalem, all of these areas are not really being mentioned in the media because it is uh, relatively uh, numbers that are less than what's going on in Gaza. But at the end of the day, these are lives. These are, these are humans that are being killed in broad daylight, uh, from sometimes from, from point blank without them even having weapons because there is no Hamas in the West Bank. Uh, so they're just being killed because uh, the Israelis are mad, they are angry, or because simply uh, they exist, because they, ex I don't, they don't want them to exist. Uh, added to that, we also saw several airstrikes against the Janine camp as well, the Janine camp, which in July was uh, uh, completely bombarded, and uh, we saw a ground incursion against it by the Zionist entity. And they still weren't able to stop the uh, resistance of Janine brigades and uh, the resistance of um, uh, the uh, uh, lion uh, lions then. Uh, so they are still uh, clashing with those two uh, factions, but with very, very limited weaponry. I and mean, the Israeli army can basically crush anyone in the West Bank. All the while, obviously, the Palestinian Authority is somewhere sleeping. But... Um, the entire uh, uh, area is uh, is not being really focused on only Gaza as being, obviously, we need to focus on Gaza, but we also need to know that there are a lot of stories happening elsewhere. For example, Patrick, no one knows about the convoy of women that were, was sent from Ramallah to Gaza, because these were women who had passes to go visit their families or to go to hospitals, to specialized hospitals in Ramallah, in the West Bank. Uh, and they were uh, basically just, um, they got stuck when, when, October 7 happened, they got stuck until uh, Friday. And on Friday, the Zionist entity put them all in convoys of buses, and they sent them from Ramallah to Gaza for an eight-hour trip. And during those eight-hour 
those eight hours, these women, elderly women, sick women, women who have uh, babies in Gaza who, who they don't know what happened to them, if they're still alive or not, that were either with their mothers or visiting or uh, 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 going through certain uh, surgical procedures in the West Bank, they were put on buses, they were blindfolded, they were shackled both in their hands and their legs, and they were shackled to one another. Eight hours, no water allowed, no toilet allowed. Uh, they were packed, uh, at least 40 people in one bus, and they were sent through that route from Ramallah all the way down to Gaza and all the way down to southern Gaza. All their belongings were taken away. Their mobile phones were taken away. Their money was taken away. Uh, they were uh, searched. They were stripped searched, uh, to be honest with you, by female uh, Israeli occupation forces. There were a lot of uh, elderly women who were crying all the way because they were about to suffocate because the, the blindfold was not only on the eyes, it also covered the noses and i'm telling you this uh, from uh, a woman that sent me uh, a voice message telling me the entire thing i have the voice message on my phone with her telling me everything that happened with her and when they arrived on and they told them that they their belongings will be given to them when they arrived to gaza that never happened they took everything from them and uh, when they arrived, there were uh, other buses of men who were also stuck in in the west bank but when the women arrived and they were uh, left to walk the rest of the way, they were uh, left to walk at least seven kilometers to get to the point that they uh, needed to reach. So after seven hours, seven more kilometers with elderly and uh, uh, older women and, and sick women, they uh, took this the, the road uh, to, to walking together. And what they saw was horrible. They saw blood on the on 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 the on the road because the Israeli entity, when they um, let the the men out first, they let the men out and they told them to run and they started shooting. So it was a, hor a horrific scene for these women, and they ended up uh, getting to the point that they need after 14 hours from starting in Ramallah. So that's just one of the stories that no one talks about, that no one uh, uh, hears. At the same time, there's also um, what's going on in the 1948 territories, what, what is known in the media as the Arab Israelis, but they are the Arab Palestinians of the 1948 who actually have uh, an Israeli citizen, but who, who are a second uh, class citizens. Uh, they are being uh, incarcerated, arrested uh, before either sharing uh, a photo or having the Palestinian flag as their status or as their profile picture. Uh, they are being harassed, they are being uh, kicked out of jobs. Uh, a lot of them are uh, are getting their um, nationalities invoked. They're taking away their nationalities and their passports, and they're kicking them out uh, into the West Bank, the occupied West Bank. So the, this is what's going on. It's not only Gaza. It never was. It never will be. It's the entire historic Palestinian map. So I, I tried to give you like uh, an, a brief overview of, of what was going on, what is going on. But it is you know, if we talk for three hours, Patrick, it's not going to be enough. I know, I know, Maureen, I appreciate your time. And uh, just a couple of things I wanted you to, to clarify. One is this talk of a ceasefire, uh, which it doesn't seem to have materialized. Uh, is this just stalling for time? Is this just political uh, messaging on the part of Washington and uh, Tel Aviv? What's your assessment of, the, of that? Well, let, let me start by telling you how the uh, prisoner swap deal was evolving. At first, uh, uh, Hamas said that we will give you 100 prisoners in return for all the women and the children in your uh, prison. I think it's 1,700 women and children in uh, Israeli occupation prisons. Uh, the Israelis said no. The week after that, Hamas said, we'll give you 50. 
and you will stop and these 50 we will get them out on uh, five days 10 each day so we will get a five day ceasefire we will give you out uh, 50 10 each day and you will give us uh, all the uh, uh, sick women and children uh, and added to opening the Rafah border for some humanitarian uh, aid to come in and any day the ceasefire is broken we stop the prisoners swap that didn't work. That, that was about to work, actually, but that didn't work. And uh, after that, we saw the invasion of the um, uh, the uh, Al-Shifa hospital uh, complex in, in uh, Gaza City. Uh, after that, uh, a lot of uh, calls were made, and, and obviously the person that they were trying to negotiate with was Yahya Sinwar, the head of the uh, political uh, movement of Hamas in the West Bank. So it's not Haniya, it's not Khaled Mishal, those people who are living, sitting in uh, five-star hotels in Qatar. No, it's not them. It's actually people in Gaza. Uh, so after that, and after the horrific events of the Al-Shifa, uh, Yahya Sinwar basically just shut off his phone and said, um, we have nothing to offer because our phones died, because we don't have any more diesel to power them. Send us diesel to power our hospitals and to charge our phones and we can think about talking to you again. I think that was a direct message that he has nothing else to say and that the field will be the last message that, that they will be sending to the uh, Israeli uh, uh, entity. So any talk of a prisoner swap that you hear at the moment is invalid, is not true. And if it happens, it will not happen unless there's at least a five-day ceasefire uh, in Gaza. That's 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 what I'm 100% sure. It's either a three-day or a five-day, but three days means less than 50 uh, prisoners. Five days means 50 prisoners. So uh, anything other than that is just, uh, I think, fake news. I don't think that's, that's the case. Because yesterday there was a lot of talk after the big uh, loss that they, they incurred on the battlefield in Gaza. Uh, a lot of Zionist uh, entity media was reporting that the uh, Israeli cabinet is meeting and they are talking about uh, it's, it's, it's being um, um, like uh, uh, it's being released uh, unofficially to the media that the cabinet is talking about the prisoner swap that is very near, but that was not the case. I think this was just some hope given to the uh, parents, uh, to the families of the Israeli detainees who are very, very angry with with the way that the Zionist entity is dealing with uh, the case of their children. They have no uh, doubt at the moment that the Israeli entity does not even care about the detainees in, in Gaza, because as we saw in the reports, the, um, uh, the kibbutz settlement, which is the closest settlement to Gaza, was bombarded with artillery and airstrikes by the Zionist entity. It, it can never, an, an AK-47 can never cause a damage in an entire house and open a hole that is bigger than a tank. It has to be a tank or an airstrike that did it. And we saw reports on it on Haaretz and Yadihot Ahranot newspapers as well. And now with the report that was uh, printed on both Yadihot Ahranot and uh, Haaretz two days ago on, I think, Saturday, them saying that even the, uh, the desert dance, the desert concert, that was also by the Israeli entity. Those those uh, young settlers were killed by their own army and that Hamas actually never made it 
to the uh, desert concert they, because it was not even one of their talks. They didn't did that. They didn't even know that there was a concert in uh, in, in in that area. Uh, so that was also out in the public. So that was obvious for the Israeli uh, settlers inside of the inside of uh, uh, occupied Palestine that the Zionist entity does, doesn't really care about their kids. They don't want to do a, a prisoner swap. Uh, actually, most of the uh, uh, detainees were, if not most, but an, a large number of the detainees were actually killed with the Israeli airstrikes in Gaza, one of which, the last one was uh, that we know of, the 80-year-old uh, Israeli settler who died because of a panic attack, because he couldn't bear the airstrikes anymore. So he couldn't bear it. Imagine what 2.5 million humans are suffering. But the problem is uh, in, in on the Israeli side and in the U.S. and the Western side, anyone that does die, they're they're blaming Hamas for it. They're saying, well, it's Hamas's fault that they've died, even though this Israeli American bombs that killed these hostages. It's still Hamas's fault. They've spun it. Everything gets spun, basically. Oh, it's, it so goes back to their for, for, uh, their founding fathers, Patrick. I mean, Golda Meir herself said she herself said, "We will never forget Palestinians for making us kill them." She will yes. not forgive Palestinians for making us kill them. That's psychotic, warmongering behavior. And that's that's been like uh, hereditary traits being given to all these settlers throughout the years, even the settlers who came way later on. I mean, the Kippur settlements in the Gaza enclave is one of the newest settlements where uh, American, uh, uh, supposedly Israelis, American uh, Jews who took a DNA that happened to say that they are of uh, a Jewish ancestry, that they were given passports and allowed to come all the way from the U.S. to Israel because they were offered a job, they were offered a free home. It's not their land, it's not their house, so why not? And they, they were offered a car, so they moved and uh, they were there. And that that's, the Kibbutz settlement is one of the newest settlements that was built by the Israeli entity on the border with Gaza. So that's just an example of how these people operate. And it actually would surprise me if they don't say that, actually. And, and another thing, just for clarification, Lebanon, okay, please clarify the geography for people that aren't familiar, that aren't aware that Lebanon is actually part of Lebanese territory, is currently occupied by the Israelis. Yeah. Yeah, so so really Lebanon, easy. when you're attacked, you're you're yeah. you have absolutely every right to repel or to, to yeah, fire back to under uh, under international under law. Expl law. Explain the geography, yeah. please. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you. Not only according to the to international, according to the UN Charter, uh, we have every right to retaliate. And by the way, when Israel says Hezbollah started it in, on October eight, because the first operation that happened, I was there. I was in Khiam, and I actually saw the the operation because it's directly facing my house, and uh, we saw it. And then we read the statement that came out of Hezbollah, and it said, and it's I I, and I I'm like I'm I can't I'm remembering the words, but I'm trying to quote it said uh part of our effort as a legitimate resistance as per our constitution uh we are uh we, we bombarded three areas and they named those three areas Arrahib, Aramtha, and uh i think um Arrahib, Aramtha, and uh, one uh other one i i forgot the name of the i i think um um harmon 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 ramtha and Arrahib. Uh, military bases we targeted them uh, because they are on occupied lebanese land because lebanon still has the kfarshuba uh, hills 
the uh, Shaba farms and the uh, seven uh, villages. They are called the seven villages, al Qura Saba. So uh, the seven villages, Qura Saba, Kafar Shuba, and Shaba farms are still under US, uh, uh, I mean, Israeli, actually US occupation, um, <laughs> under Israeli occupation. Uh, so that's legitimate target for the Lebanese resistance, not only according to our constitution in Lebanon, but according to international law and the UN charter. So what Hezbollah was doing was completely legal. And at the end of that uh, statement, they said also in support of our brothers and sisters in Gaza uh, who are now under uh, bombardment campaign airstrikes from the uh, from this Israeli entity. So everything that's taking place, the only time that Hezbollah bombarded Kiryat Shmona, which is a settlement that is uh, the closest settlement to the um, southeastern part of the map is when Israel targeted civilians. When Israel killed the mother with her three daughters who were just going from her, their, par their parents' house to their house in South Lebanon, when they bombed that, uh, that car and killed those three angels and maimed their mother and killed their grandmother, Hezbollah because of the equation, the deterrence equations that Sayyid Hassan Nasrullah issued on November 3rd, he said a civilian for a civilian. So that well, that was one of the uh, very few moments that Hezbollah actually targeted settlements because every time Israel bombed and killed a civilian, Hezbollah would retaliate into those uh, illegally occupied settlements of Palestine. But other than that, all of the operations that are taking place are on Lebanese land not Palestinian land, very few of them on the um, southwestern side are actually occupied Palestinian land. Uh, but we rarely do hear as much of it, of what's going on on the eastern side rather than the western side, because it's the uh, western Galili, the uh, middle Galili, it's the central Galili and the upper Galili. So uh, the, the majorly, my village and majorly what, what the uh, clashing uh, areas are that are covered by uh, the Zionist entity are majorly in the southeastern part of Lebanon, so the eastern Galilee. Uh, that's what where the occupied Lebanese territories are found. So according to international law, no, we are not attacking anyone. We are trying to liberate our land. The resistance is trying to liberate Lebanese land from under the occupation of the uh, Israeli entity. Also, when Syria fired missiles and sent in drones, but when they fired missiles, they actually fired missiles from southern Syria into Syrian-occupied territories in the Golan Heights against uh, Israeli military bases. So also Syria was operating under international law. The only time that Syria actually targeted Palestine was when they sent in the drones to Elat, because uh, one of the drones well, uh, that was sent when to you Elat say was actually just, sent from Syria. Just just to be clear, when you say Palestine, you mean occupied Palestine. Occupied Palestine. It, 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 yeah, it can, it can be confusing for some people, but yeah, uh, occupied Palestine, occupied, occupied by the Palestine. by yeah, the Israelis, Syria, by the yeah. Yes, definitely, because Syria at one point sent in a bomber drone to Elat, which is in the Negev desert in the Naqab, in the southernmost part of historic Palestinian map. And it's obviously a settlement occupied by the Israeli entity and its settlers. And Syria uh, did uh, send a, a drone uh, there. But other times, Syria, when it was um, uh, firing rockets, it was firing rockets from the Syrian south to the Syrian-occupied uh, Golan Heights. So it was also legitimate. Uh, and also with the fight of the Iraqi resistance, when they bombard U.S. military bases, it's their land. Whether it's in Syria or it's in uh, Iraq, it's Arab land occupied militarily by 
an, an invading army that was never invited, basically sitting there to loot the resources and to uh, aid and abet the terrorists. Because when did we ever hear of uh, Daesh, ISIS, uh, terrorist attacks when they are not in and around the 10th base that's occupied by the uh, American uh, occupation forces? So who's giving them? I mean, they've been there for like how many years? Seven or eight years now in that yep. specific area. Who's been giving them the money and the, and the, the weaponry and the diesel fuel and, and the maps and the uh, targets? I mean, it's, it's, it's beyond obvious right now. So even the targets and the strikes by the uh, Iraqi resistance and the Syrian resistance is legitimate because it's, it's on both land occupied by a foreign entity. Now, in Yemen, Yemen, the besieged Yemen, the suffocating Yemen, nine years of, of U.S. Uh, slash Saudi war in, on Yemen, people say, oh, no, they pirated the ship. Now it's uh, it's it's a huge um, uh, risk for uh, uh, ships and, and for sailing and for international sailing and international maritime. And no, it's not. You never said a word when the Saudis and the and the um, uh, Americans were not allowing uh, aid ships, ships with food and medicine to enter Yemen. So basically what Yemen is doing is taking what's rightfully theirs. When you suffocate a people, what do you expect that they will do? And they are doing this despite the fact that they are still in war, they are still under sanctions and, and uh, besiegement. They are doing this in support of Palestine. They literally told Saudi Arabia, open a corridor for us because we have more than 300,000 soldiers ready to go free Palestine. Saudi Arabia said no. Mm -hmm. So I think they, they might find a way or another to get there. No one knows how. Well, definitely, if you're looking at the axis of resistance and people are saying, well, you know, who's going to move first? Well, Yemen seems to be taking the lead of both yes. vocally and also in, in their actions as well. And so that's wow. definitely, I think, going to put some pressure uh, on the Israelis uh, because they realize that this could expand much, much further. And I don't think the and United States will be able to contain. Yeah. They will not be able to contain because they couldn't contain Yemen before. Uh, after all these years, definitely. So. And 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 I need to remind the viewers that uh, uh, the U.S.'s fifth fleet is in Bahrain, and that's way closer to Yemen than uh, than the Israeli entity. And that Al Udaid Air Base, the biggest um, CENTCOM air, air base for the U.S. Central Command, is in Qatar, and that's way closer to Yemen than uh, the actually the uh, the occupied Palestinian territories. So Yemen has a lot of cards that they haven't played yet. And if they do, and when they do, a lot of people, a lot of foreigners, a lot of occupation forces will pay, have a price. Yeah, and that's the changing landscape of the Middle East uh, over the last few years, uh, a reality that you're very familiar with. But unfortunately, Marwa, this is not a reality, I think, that has sunk in for a lot of people, especially in the United States and Europe. They just don't understand it yet. But they, I, I'm afraid they will very, very soon if things are going to escalate in the direction they look like they're escalating. We hope that uh, that uh, this killing stops in Gaza, of course, but in the event that it keeps going, uh, I won't be surprised, and I'm sure you won't be surprised as to what may unfold next so that's our point but uh, marwa osman uh independent journalist broadcaster on press tv as well uh give us a shout out before we go about your program real quick 
on Press TV? Well, my program is the Middle East Stream, and it airs every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Al-Quds time on Press TV, and it's a political show. And this week, we have something really interesting. I hope you watch it. I have also a very special uh, guest. Uh, Fiorella Isabel was with me t today. We will be airing the, um, we recorded the show today. We'll be airing it, inshallah, tomorrow. So I advise you to come and, and, and have a look. And follow Marwa Osman on X, Twitter as well, and also on her other platforms, uh, Instagram and many others. Marwa, really appreciate your time. Good luck and and, and do stay safe. Uh, of course, you're in our prayers you, and so are the people, people of your country as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. There she goes, ladies and gentlemen. That is Marwa Osman, a tremendous journalist, great political commentator, geopolitical analyst. Look, we're going to take a break here. Top of the hour news headlines coming up on TNT, today's news talk. And when we come back, we'll continue this discussion, but we'll go over to the United States and our friend Nico House will join us as well in the second hour. So stay right there. <laughs> 